This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. A swing and a long drive. Left center field. Way back to the track. To the ball. Grand slam. The Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show is presented by Amrit on the Cardinals Radio Network. Bringing a ground ball off the pitcher's up to the second baseman. Got him. A complete game, 5-0 shutout for Adam Wainwright. Now, Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby with the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show. Presented by Amrit on the Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren, Chris Raby, and Mike Claiborne. Back with you in Jupiter at Spring Training on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Just days away from the first game of the Grapefruit League schedule, just over a month away from the Cardinals opening up the 2017 season at Bush Stadium against the Chicago Cubs. And we have another great show for you tonight. We'll be joined by Mike Shannon. We'll check in with Cardinals ace Adam Wainwright. Jose Okendo talks his new role as he's now a special assistant general manager, John Moselock. Jordan Schaefer is trying to make the team as a pitcher and outfielder. He will visit with Mike Claiborne, and we sit down with Eduardo Perez. Plus, we'll hear from Stan McNeil and Dan Farrell of the Cardinals as we count down to opening day. Mike Claiborne, uh, Saturday we will have Grapefruit League action here at Roger Dean Stadium. Just uh, over our shoulder as we are here over the right field wall. And you know baseball's getting closer because the Hall of Famers will start to trickle in. And boy, is it awesome to see Ozzie Smith here. You know, it's it's great to see him here uh, like it is any Hall of Famer. But I appreciate the fact he comes here to teach. Uh, he's available to anybody who wants to talk. He's given instruction. He, you saw him today holding court with all of the infielders. I think there's a lot more emphasis this year on you know, making sure you get back to the to the fundamentals and having a point of reference. And if you get if you have good sound fundamentals, then you have a point of reference. And you know, I think they lost their point of reference last year and, and stuff. So uh, you know, trying to get back to it. I think they recognize the problem and, and stuff. So I think there's a lot of emphasis on getting back to catching and throwing the baseball. I think one of the things that they missed last year, Okendo not being there last year, I think was a big part of that. Um, you know, so. You know, they, they, they're, they're trying to correct it now, and I think that just the fact that we're, uh, we're working on it more is it's going to make it better. And, and, you know, to have a guy who still is in touch with the game, it, it's amazing that the Cardinals don't try and use him more in that capacity, much like with Willie McGee, where you can go around and, and work with the younger guys because the big league guys, you know, you can only tell them so much at this point. Right now, it's kind of an optional thing as to yeah. to whether they want to come. And I think sometimes for us, um, I, I don't want to say it's intimidating, but, you know, Mike, I, I think is a stress to those guys, the importance of the reason that we're here, you know, to be able to share those things with them. So don't be afraid to come and yeah, yeah. if you got something you want to say. And I think that they're starting to understand that I'm a pretty easy guy to talk to, and uh, I'm here for a reason, so to help them as much as I can. I heard you talk with Ozzy about that uh, earlier this spring when you were down here for fantasy mm-hmm. camp with him. Yeah. And he said that he'd like to get more involved from a teaching standpoint. He's got so much to offer. And great you can teacher. tell, well, and not just a great teacher, but 
a, a guy who cares so much about the organization and about teaching. And, and I'll say this. I understand guys that come up and are grinders and have to live in the film room and live on the practice fields and have to fight and scratch and claw for everything that they ever earn on the field. They know how to pass that message along. Someone is naturally gifted as an Ozzie Smith who's also worked his tail off, but to be that good and then be that good of a teacher, yeah, yeah. I think is, is incredibly impressive. Like, I don't know if Michael Jordan could ever coach basketball because you'd probably just wonder why aren't you as good as me. To be one of the best of all time to play the game and then be able to teach it and teach it in a short period of time and have a huge impact on guys, that to me is incredibly impressive. I, I think, though, the great ones, and you make a good point because they're good, but I think they're good because they practice the basics, the fundamentals. Sure. And then they let their their, their God-gifted athletic ability fill in the blanks more or less. But I think Ozzy is a guy that could teach you how to work smart. How many guys that we hear, well, he's here from sunrise to sunset. Yeah, and then you watch him the next day, he boots three balls. I mean, you have to be able to work smart, I think, with all the other things that are required of athletes in any sport. And I think Ozzy has figured that out where he's going to make sure you understand how to work in game environments and the other things you do to get yourself ready for the game. It's kind of the theme of this camp, isn't it? Get here, yeah. get your work in, get out. Well, they, today's they, they a great don't want example. guys to be here for 15 hours and burn yeah. them out. Today was a great example of pending weather. Um, it didn't look good initially. And they came in early and everybody got their work in and we didn't see a drop during the time that they were practicing. And, and I think guys appreciate that and – you know, th- this it's a grind, and I know people don't want to really hear about the fact that, well, you know, they're getting paid to do it, That's and that's true. But I think when you look at how the season unfolds and all the other requirements, because we've taken a lot of instruction and a lot of practice before games, we're taking that out of the play now. So if you don't get it going here, it's going to be hard to do anything when the season rolls around. You know, it wasn't just the position players and, uh, you know, talking with Ozzy. He's really working with Ledmis Diaz, but the impact that he has on everyone, like I was talking to John Gant, who's new to the organization, a pitcher, and I said, you know, what's it like, even if you're not working with Ozzy as an infielder, what's it like that around? He said, no, man, he was covering third base. I got to flip him a couple balls, and that was incredible. <laughs> he said he won't forget that, man. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, I mean, we're blessed to have that kind of group of Hall of Famers who want to contribute compared to just stand around and just say, you know, I'm in the Hall of Fame. He's not standing around, man. He no. can still play. He puts work in. I mean, his hands are as good as anybody's. Now, he'll tell you. It's he, doesn't want to, he doesn't want to boot a ball out there. No, it's the feet and the legs that might let him down, but his hands are as good as anyone. He said what he is eager to work with Aledemy's son is his footwork. Yeah. He got better as the year went on, but I think he lacks confidence. You know, that's one of the big things. You know, people sometimes always think it's the physical part of it. It's not always the physical part of it it's as much as it is the mental. And that's one of the things that, you know, that I will be challenging them on is, you know, just start, to, start believing that you can do something. That's where it starts, believing that you can do it. And uh, there's no reason for him not to be a better defensive player than he is. There are little things, you know, the footwork. Uh, his footwork right now is one of the things that I think is stopping his progress. And uh, okay. he, he got down early, and I think O'Kendall started working with him on that. 
And so we're just going to continue that and uh, and build his level of confidence. And I think that you will see a much much more rounded player this year. His upside is, I mean, it's unlimited. What his upside is, and it's just how hard he's willing to work. Um, he certainly has the hand and eye coordination and stuff. And we got to work on his footwork a little bit. You know, he's a little heavy footed and 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 learning. Learning how, learning angles. You know, people don't realize that the, the geometry that goes into baseball. They're learning to, 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 to cut a ball off and all of those. And these are the things that I think that he's um, that he's learning. That's going to make him a better player. And uh, you know, once he gets to that point to believing that he can do something, it's going to be a great. He has a potential to be a great player. And we saw Ledmus last year with a lot of just that raw natural skill get better defensively. If he gets some more technical aspects of the game and of the position, Klebs, what's yeah. his ceiling defensively? Oh, I think he can be a uh, an above-plus defender. Uh, I was down here early January watching he and Okendo working on the footwork, as you speak of, and it's all muscle memory, where your feet need to be when certain balls are hit to you and, and how to do certain things. And they just stressed that to him. I know Ozzy, I think he was even talking to you, and he said, you know, Diaz has got heavy feet. And, you know, Ozzy was, was, you know, he was a guy that was so light-footed. You didn't even tell he was he had spikes on. But in Diaz's case, he's a bigger guy, and I think he wants to cover more ground. And they're just trying to teach him how to be smarter in his coverage. We learned yesterday as well that Chris Carpenter is going to be in camp, and he'll be one of the special instructors after working that out with Mike Matheny. Um, I know it was rough, especially with injuries, the, the way that Carp's career ended, Mike, but... Uh, I thought it was fantastic to see him last year when he was enshrined in the Cardinals Hall of Fame. As gracious a guy as any of the guys we've seen get that honor and go into the Hall, what do you think it will mean to this club? And and what do you think it will mean, you know, not speaking for him, but maybe to Chris Carpenter to have him back working with a lot of these guys he was teammates with? I think it's a win-win because I think Carpenter has got himself squared away now that he's out of the game for a few years. And wants to give something back. Now, I know people say, well, he's going to come in and teach everybody how to be a bulldog. I don't think that's the case. I think Chris is still a guy, <clears throat> excuse me, who was smart in his approach. And, and worked knew, as hard yeah, as Yeah, he anyone. worked hard. He also put himself in a position where he knew how to throw inside to establish that portion of the plate. We have guys that I think are still trying to figure that out. And uh, I think Chris is – I think the timing, especially – with the younger pitchers that we're seeing coming on, whether it's a Weaver, we watched El Contra the other day, even Carlos. I mean, there's some young guys that can really take some lesson from Chris Carpenter and his old buddy. He'll get a chance to hang out with Lance Lynn. Yeah, and a lot of what we've seen this spring is about individual instruction. Manager Mike Matheny on how Hall of Famers can contribute to that. All of our Hall of Famers follow our club really close. I think it's very unique in our organization um, that they're not just hood ornaments. They actually uh, they, they show up. And when they're there, they're watching close. I was kidding at the uh, writer's dinner about Gibby always telling me he's got this list that we need to keep going over his stuff. And, but he does. He watches, and he, and he comes in, and he'll hit me hard with something, and we'll get to talking baseball, which is, I mean, what a great pleasure and honor that is. And so uh, we want them to, to watch with some intention of fit figuring out how they can help our guys out. I want to hear from them where they feel they can be maximized. But then, you know, you can kind of tell with what we're doing this year, give guys almost the opportunity. You know, my uh, advice to Ozzy was, you know, let me know 
if there's somebody you'd like to have a conversation with or let me know if someone's starting to initiate some good talks and then we can actually pull aside and get some of that individual work we talked about, whether that's physical work or whether it's more preparation and um, just conversation. I've said the same thing to Gibby and, and Bruce and Lou and Red and, all, and, and even Whitey. Um, I want all that to happen. I mean, it should happen organically to guys that realize what kind of what kind of players they have around them and how can we maximize their time here. And I think that's what they want. You know, they like being here, obviously, for our fans, but I think more than anything else, they want to bring some value. And so, you know, part of the conversation this morning was, guys, don't waste this. If you do, that's on you. Because uh, if, if you think that, that, hey, this is a Hall of Famer and I haven't been around very long, and that's the exact opposite of what these guys want to do. They want to have purpose while they're here. So it's all about how can um, – how can we maximize what they can bring, and they can bring a lot. So what a resource it is, Claves, to uh, to have those guys here. And so much of this spring has been about guys going and working one-on-one with the coaching staff for what they want to accomplish. And to be able to do that with um, an Ozzie Smith or a Willie McGee or Bruce Suter or talk it over with Lou Brock, what a resource that is for these it guys. It is. Um, I think it's also important that hopefully these guys will be around when the game starts so they can actually talk about situations that they've been involved in uh, and pick the brain of the player along with them picking the brain of the Hall of Famer about situations that they're going to encounter later in the year. You know, as you were saying yesterday, it's hard as a Cardinal fan to watch some of the issues they had last year. And, like, Bruce is an example of that that I think he watches about every single game of yeah. the course of the regular yeah, season, man. Yeah, and if he thought it was hard watching the games he saw, he should have been there for us when we had to see them all. It was hard, man, and, uh, and I don't think there's any way to sugarcoat it. That wasn't Cardinal baseball. Uh, I think they've tried to take some steps to remedy that concern, but, you know, we don't know and we won't know until we get on the field, but I think the approach has got to be different. All right, so a lot coming up on the show. Again, uh, Ozzie Smith is here. More Hall of Famers are coming in games begin on Saturday. We'll visit with Adam Wainwright, Cardinals ace on another spring, and how he prepares and what he sees from some of the young guys. He's now a resource for a lot of those guys sharing a clubhouse with him. Jordan Schaefer is in camp, an intriguing, potentially two-way player. Mike, you'll visit with him. You mentioned Jose Kendo. We check in with J.O. and hear kind of his role and what he's contributing to camp this year. We'll also sit down with Mike Shannon, get his perspective on another year and some of the changes that are afoot in this Cardinal camp. All of that and more as we get ready for baseball. That's right, Saturday on the Cardinals Radio Network, the Cardinals and the Marlins. Until then, it's another edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day in Jupiter with Mike Claiborne. I'm Chris Raby, and we're back in a moment on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Great to see Eduardo Perez in Jupiter and have him join us on the Cardinals Radio Network. Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you. How are you, my friend? It's great to see you. Great to be here. What about this weather? Awesome, isn't it? Yeah, it's nice. And we, uh, you know, I think that maybe feels even better for some of these guys because the schedule a bit uh, different this year. we got the World Baseball Classic, but a week and a half or so since the pitchers and catchers reported and right into games. It's a bit of a change. Yeah, that's. I think that's what you need to do, especially uh, Major League Baseball, recognizing the World Baseball Classic is here and uh, making sure that all the players are in are in sound shape. And there's always little changes uh, to the rosters, and we see it happen in spring training, just like with All Star games when they're uh, when um, the National League and American League, you always see a little injury here or there, or or uh, one of the pitchers isn't filling up to par, and a lot of changes are made. But I think it's necessary to play games early. 
this is, I think, the first year where the World Baseball Classic is happening that we didn't actually start a week earlier spring training. And um, uh, there's a lot of catch-up, but at the same time, pitchers, position players, they're, they're in great shape. It's not like before in the day where the body fat uh, was up a little bit from the winter. The first time you grab a ball in spring training, start tossing it. No, this is different. Everybody's uh, get almost game ready. And it's interesting that with that being said, uh, you still have some players that can really take advantage of the World Baseball Classic. They're going to be in front of the manager a little longer. They're going to get a few extra bats against legitimate big league pitching. Uh, it's a good situation for, I think, everybody, especially now that Major League Baseball has kind of figured out how the Classic works with regard to not getting anybody hurt, with regard to making sure everybody gets their work in and not letting it consume the entire spring training. Absolutely. Uh, you, know, you know, I think, though, what is still missing from it is uh, I think the Hispanic countries have figured it out. They play with a lot of passion, they with a lot of heart. They, yeah. take it with, they take it real serious. Where the U.S. hasn't taken it, I don't think that's serious. I think um, even the best players of the U.S. are like, you know, I'm going to bypass it because I need to get ready for the season. And um, they forget about what's on their chest, and it's that U.S. of A. that's on their chest. And, and um it's not as much pride as I've seen from Dominican Republic, from Puerto Rico, even from the Asian teams in Japan and uh, Korea. So how do you – you can't change that and you can't um, – so, so how? Does it start at a young age? Does it start with USA Baseball and their message to the players? Is it something the players themselves need to rally around? Well, you've had Japan, you've had Korea, you've had the Dominican Republic go out there and compete and, and win. And uh, last year, the finals was Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic. From an American standpoint, how, how this is where I'm going with it. Um, they they watch on TV. They see they see they see the passion that's going on there. The problem is this: this is not Major League Baseball, and this is what the players have to understand. I was able to play in 2006 for Team Puerto Rico. I was able to, to coach in 2009 for Team Puerto Rico, and I was able to manage the WBC qualifiers for Team Colombia. And one thing I can tell you is there is nothing's held back. There's no showing up anyone because it's a, it's about just playing the game. And if you want to you you want to go out there and cheer your team and be passionate about it, this is the venue to do it. And uh, there's no disrespect at all. There's no showing up a pitcher or not. You're playing for pride. You're playing for country. You're not playing for salary or a ring. You're playing for your entire country. Go out there and do your thing. Do your thing. If you if, if you hit a double and you have to raise your hands up there and motivate your guys, do it. It's disrespectful, quote-unquote, in the unwritten book of, of Major League Baseball. But this is not Major League Baseball. This is the World Baseball Classic, and it's something that, you, that the players have to understand. And I think they saw it last year in San Francisco watching the Dominican Republic earn their championship. You know, when you look at the other major sports, and I guess we can use basketball and hockey, um, you don't see guys in those sports, the best players from their country, that be at the U.S., take a pass on playing an international competition like this. I was in the DR a few weeks ago and watched some baseball, and they were getting ready for this thing. These guys were treating it like it was game seven already. So I think it has more to do with MLB stressing to American players the impact that they can have on the game. And I think some of these guys are ducking it because – Two things. One, they don't think, think it's that serious. And two, they don't want to get showed up because these other teams show up ready to go and they're not taking any prisoners. They're not only ready to go. You have, I'll give you an example. You have like the Venezuelan team. Hey, guys, let's get together. 
they get together on their own and they work out on their own before even spring training starts. They're already they're taking ground balls together. They're creating that team atmosphere. This is not only about talent. This is throw your ego to the side and play for your team. Oh, if I'm not going to get enough at bats, I'm not going to go because I need to get my at bats and I'll get it in spring training. Listen. You'll get your opportunities. You'll be able to get your swings in the backfield to get ready. This is about playing the game and playing it for what's on your chest. You know, I read a really interesting piece over the summer about Manu Ginobili and his last uh, participation for Argentina in the Olympics. And Andres Nocioni, Manu Ginobili, those guys who had been a part of that for them and for fans in that country – you know, the Olympics, the Pan Am Games, whatever international participation they were in, he said that was as important to him as the finals, but as important to the fans, too, in Argentina. And the fans in the Latin countries, how do you connect with fans in the United States to get them as excited as maybe some of the other places that you're talking about, about the games and, and the competition and their favorite players playing? Every show that I do in Spanish, if it's for Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, uh, Venezuela, there's one word that comes to mind, and it's passion. It's pasión in Spanish. And at the end of the day, when I do interviews in English, when I do it, better say, when I do interviews here in the U.S., it's, it, it, you never hear that word, passion. You need passion. You need to be able to go out there and have that pride. Um, are, are, is the U.S. suiting and putting in the best players right now? I don't think so. Um, I think there'll come a day where they'll realize, listen, let's go out there and let's play. Um, I think it's about being afraid of being injured. It's about being afraid of uh, of changing their routine, and I think I think that's a lot of excuse. I think right now the the, the players have to go out there and, and they have they have to do it for their fan base. And um, as long as they keep holding out, uh, I think I think the U.S. is not going to be as 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 dominant as they should be. All right, we're in spring training. You've seen a little bit. It's still early, but uh, what do you look for when you come to spring training? You try and assess a team, especially early in the game. I just, I just, I just want to see upbeat. I'm not trying to assess too much early on. I think it's more about getting the guys ready. I think halfway through spring training is when you now have to say, okay, let's let's see who can turn it on, who can't. Um, the veteran guys, they know their timing. They know what they have to do to get ready. Uh, I think it's more of assessing the young players and seeing where they're at and make sure that you understand who they are and get to know them a little bit more because once they come up, because it's inevitable, a lot of them come up midseason due to injuries or just due to performance, um, you, have to, you have to know who they are before they walk in that door. And uh, right now in spring training, it's about making sure that the pitchers stay healthy, making sure that the catchers get their work in. And we all know in San Luis, with Yadier Molina here, he expects every catcher to be out here early. They're going to get their work in. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, just make sure they're ready for opening day. I know you're visiting with Dexter Fowler uh, for ESPN while you're here in Cardinals camp. What impact can a teammate like that have on a club? And what impact can he have as a leader, not just in the lineup and, and leading off the top of that lineup, Eduardo, but, but also his presence in the clubhouse? Well, he, he knows this division well, and I think that's one of the things. And, uh, and, he, and he'll have a ring this year also to prove it. And uh, his on-base percentage has gotten better. He's he's matured a lot. In the offseason, he works with Barry Bonds on his hitting, on uh, the mental side of the game, and I think that's really important. Um, but what Dexter brings is uh, he brings he brings on-base percentage. He brings uh, leadership in the outfield. 
and um, he brings a lot of energy. And I think uh, Joe Madden, he always told me, uh, as cliche as it sounds, as when Dexter goes, we go. And and Dexter uh, needs to be able to get on base and needs to be able to continue to have those quality at-bats. When you're a switch hitter like you are with Dexter, um, it, it makes it just more more of a balanced lineup, and I think that's what St. Louis needed is a little balance at the top. Eduardo Perez, always great to see you. Thanks so much. Look forward to uh, seeing you on ESPN and Sirius XM Radio this year, right? That's right. I'll see you on uh, Wednesday, Thursdays, and Friday mornings from 7 to 10 with Steve Phillips. Thank you, man. You got it. Thank you. Looking for a great private event space for an upcoming meeting or party? Cardinals Nation inside of Ballpark Village is open seven days a week and has a variety of perfect spaces for groups of all sizes. For more information, visit cardinalsnation.com. Mike Claiborne with Jose Okendo next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Well, we have a chance to visit with Jose Okendo, former big leaguer and longtime big league coach. Got a little bit of a different role this year. Yeah, a little different, but probably the same because I'll be, I'll be teaching. Uh, it's only a little younger generation. So, so. And that's going to be fun for you because I know you love to teach the game, uh, watching these young kids, especially the entry-level players. We talked a lot about the young man, uh, Delvin Perez, last year, who was the first-round pick. Uh, give us an idea of what you look for in these younger players, not the big leaguers, but the younger guys that come into camp. Well, uh, uh, I'm going to look at uh, uh, how aggressive they are. Uh, they're being really aggressive, and I like guys who, who who are aggressive. It's easy to control a guy who's aggressive and charge the ball. So uh, now we need just need to tune him down a little bit and understand uh, uh, how to catch different type of ground balls. And that's something that, man, I don't care what level it is, little league or big league, catching ground balls. We see so many people fundamentally who make the common mistakes other than just keeping your rear end down. What's the, the, the three things you always want to teach kids on how to field ground balls? Well, I want to make sure they got a good foundation. Uh, be athletic uh, with your foundation. Uh, don't have the feet too close. Uh, bend down from from your legs uh, more than from the waist. Uh, and and keep eyeing the ball all the way to the glove. Especially, you know, you change it a little bit depending on the age of the kids. If he's uh, eight years old, I'm going to do things a little different than I do with uh, the guys 19 and, and, and 20. So uh, we're going to work more in backhanded when you get uh, become professional because uh, you got to just be just as good catching backhand as you do catching the ball in front. So it depends uh, on the age of the kids. We, 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 we move accordingly. Do you ever think we'll see infield come back the way it used to be, maybe when you played, where I thought guys really had a chance to work on their game in a game situation? Do you ever think we'll see that come back? Oh, if, as long as I'm here, we're going to try. <laughs> uh, I think we're going to uh, emphasize the, the importance of uh, the defensive part of the game. Uh, a lot of kids right now, especially young kids, uh, uh, they go to the cages most of the time. They spend the money and, and, and swing in the bat, but they never spend a little time uh, learning how to catch the proper ground balls and stuff. And the defense kind of take a back seat a little bit. And then when they get here, it makes it tougher for us to to fix that what what they create. So uh, the, 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 the longest I'm here in the minor leagues, we're going to work in the defense as much as I can, which which we can. Uh, and, and be just as good so when they get in the, in the big league level they don't have to work as much. You know it's it's funny when you talk about the defense and everybody wants to swing the bat but man if you have a glove you can play this game a long time. I mean I'm, I'm, a, sample of that. I'm a sample of that and then a lot of all the guys have been a sample 
that face you as they get older, uh, and you know you're not swinging the bat as, as younger you as one of you younger. Uh, the defense is always going to be there, and you, you stay a little longer. For you, as you watch some of the young kids, we talked about young Perez. Give us a thumbnail sketch on some of the young kids, not on the big league roster, like Sosa and some of the young, younger kids you've had a chance to watch. What do you like about them? I mean, they, 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 they're they hungry. They, they want to learn. Uh, they, they're looking for somebody to teach them, uh, especially uh, the defense. And uh, the, the offense is always going to be somebody – uh, being able to help in that, and my part of defense, I, I know how hungry they are. We got a, a kid here, uh, Alvarez, who's a great, great hitter, second base, and also can play defense, runs real well. Now he has, has to understand how to play the game properly, and uh, I think he has a good future to, to be a big leaguer. Hey, are you at that age now where when the kids come into camp, they wonder if you ever played anywhere because they don't remember you now when you were a player, do they? <laughs> no, uh, it's okay if they don't remember. But, but, uh, but their fr- their parents <laughs> might or their yeah, grandparents. Some, somebody would tell them. And they're pretty good with the computer. So the first thing they see me, they say, oh, man. Well, I, you I did went, play. I, yeah. I, I, you did play. <laughs> As always, my friend, good to see you. And uh, best of luck with this new venture. Uh, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing some well-schooled Cardinals come to the big leagues. Thanks to you. We're going to do our best. Thank you, guys. Today only you can guarantee your seats to the best games of the season before tickets go on sale this Friday. Friday. The multi-game on sale allows fans to purchase tickets to three or more games in 2017, but lasts today only. Get yours now at Cardinals.com. We're back in a moment with Stan McNeil from Cardinals Magazine on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Subscribe to Cardinals Magazine and receive two free tickets to a Monday through Thursday home game in 2017. Order now at 314-345-9000 or cardinals.com slash magazine. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne back with you on the Cardinals Radio Network. And how appropriate to be joined by Stan McNeil of Cardinals Publications here in Jupiter. What's going on, man? Great to see you down here. It's uh, good to be down here. We'd like to see a little sunshine today, but uh, it'll be back tomorrow. Yeah, don't be too picky. It's been a few hours, and Cardinals still able to get their work in. Stan, um, we're going to talk a little bit about what you guys have coming up in uh, the newest uh, edition of Cardinals Magazine. But when you're down here, just so many cool stories that you guys are able to work on, access you're able to get to guys. Tell us kind of your process and what excites you and what's cool from a magazine standpoint about being able to do some bigger picture stuff and maybe some more in-depth feature type stuff. You know, as a longtime uh, newspaper Man, and then uh, at the Sporting News, the deadlines came quickly, you know, and uh, you were turning stories around every every day a lot of times. But uh, at Cardinals Magazine, we're able to take our time, really kind of sink our teeth into a story, and uh, it's 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 a much different different process. I the one way I kind of explain it is uh, before when you're writing stories every day and you don't get uh, the information quite as much information as you want or the good quote that you want, you say, well. I've got to turn it in and I've got to go get on to the next story. At Cardinals Magazine, we really don't have that excuse. You know, there's no excuse not to get everything we need, and, and I think we take great pride in doing that. You've got a cover story that's going to feature Dexter Fowler. You had a chance to go out to his home in Las Vegas and spend some time with him. We, we Most people know him from just a baseball player, the guy that was playing for the Cubs who was killing the Cardinals a lot. What did you learn about Dexter Fowler that you found to be interesting as you put the story together? You know, I had heard about Dexter, knew Dexter a little bit, and uh, just what a good guy he is away from the field. And 
I can see why with meeting his wife, spending time with her, spending time with him. I mean, he's just as advertised, if not even better than advertised. Uh, they're still kind of settling into their new home in in Vegas, which they moved to because that's where his wife uh, was living when they met. Uh, but they just uh, welcomed welcomed a photographer and me in like uh, we were long-lost friends. So it was uh, really cool to be able to kind of experience that. Stan McNeil with us, Cardinals Magazine, the new issue out next week featuring Dexter Fowler. Even him being as advertised, what surprised you about him? Or was it that, that it seemed so easy, it seemed so genuine? I think that's what a lot of people have been struck by. Mike Matheny said he's just a guy that people want to be around, and that's great quality. Yeah, you know, and he takes, Dexter takes pride in being that kind of guy because, you know, part of the reason that uh, the Cardinals brought him in was because of the leadership, because of his personality. And, you know, I asked him, like, you know, there's kind of a lot of pressure being put on you to come in and not just perform on the field, but kind of be a guy in the clubhouse that everyone looks to. And he was all, you know, he was all in. That's that's what he wants. And I said, well, you know, what happens if you get off to a slow start? You know, I mean, that just that, which happens, you know, you can only control so much of what goes on out there. And he said, hey, if I'm in a slump, I get even happier. You know, he says, you got to have fun and you got to even have more fun when you're when you're struggling. So, uh, you know, I think that's something that we'll see how that plays out. But I, I thought that was a pretty good way to look at things. What do you think he got this personality from? Uh, is it something he learned as a kid? You know, when he broke in, Don Baylor was a real mentor to him as far as uh, his rookie year and being the hitting coach on Colorado. So how did he learn to be a pro in the manner that he is now? You know, he's always – I would say it comes from his folks. I mean, he – you know, Dexter is a people person, as he says, and he told a story or tells a story about uh, when he was a kid, his mom was the same way. He says they would get in an elevator with – total you know people they didn't know or anything and his mom would just strike up a conversation dexter would uh they'd get out of the elevator and goes mom what are you doing and he says now dexter finds himself doing the same kind of things you know he's just he's always had that in him i mean his his uh comes from a, a strong strong family you know the cardinals have had plenty of personality over the last few years and plenty of guys i mean you look at carlos martinez and the dugout and adam wainwright but I think that sometimes there's just an assumption that things are a certain way. And maybe it takes a guy who everyone around the league, not just in St. Louis, recognizes as a big character for the whole club, even if they've personified that in parts in the past, to kind of take on and, and embrace that personality from, from kind of a national landscape, Stan. Yeah, you know, that, that's a great point. Because, if you know, if Adam Wainwright comes out and says, hey, we have fun here, everyone goes, obviously he's going to say that. They, you know, he's been here forever. But now if Dexter Fowler comes out and says, hey, this team has just as much fun as the Cubs or whatever, I think people will kind of look around and say, hey, he's right. You know, this guy knows. Final question for me. Do you think at points we make too much of an issue of this whole fun concept? Because I think fun begins with winning. You know, absolutely. And I think Colton Wong said that at the at the winter warm-up when people were saying, like, was there any kind of friction or the clubhouse last year didn't seem quite quite right and – Colton just said, we weren't winning. We weren't winning like we're used to. So it, I think it all starts with that. I do think that if you're struggling, trying to have fun when you're losing is difficult. And if you can do that, I do think that you're better off for it in a baseball season because it is such a long season and you're going to have your ups and downs. Cardinals Magazine, Dexter Fowler on the cover of the newest edition. Stan, what else are you looking forward to sinking your teeth into this spring or 
Is it just sit back and see what kind of presents itself? No, we've got some plans here. Uh, hopefully we can take a look at uh, Jose Okendo and see what he's up to. You know, this is a guy that, uh, a great teacher, and you just kind of wonder if he's on the kind of the same track as being uh, the next George Kissel for the Cardinals. So that's one uh, we're looking forward to. Stan, appreciate the time. Again, folks can uh, go out and pick up the new edition of Cardinals Magazine beginning next week with Dexter Fowler on the cover. Great to see you in Jupiter. Good to be here. Thanks. We'll take a break and be back with more. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne from Spring Training back after this in the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Wrapping up hour number one of the program, Chris Raby back with you in Jupiter, Florida, on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. It is Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. Got a big second hour of the show coming up for you. And, man, is it fun to talk baseball as we get closer and closer to actually getting on the field. It'll be Saturday when the Cardinals take the field for the first time in Grapefruit League play against the Miami Marlins. Of course, you'll hear it right here on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network at 12.05. And we learned earlier today who will start and pitch for Mike Matheny's club. For the first game will be Luke Weaver. So Weaver, Gant, and Gomber, not necessarily Gant and Gomber, but Luke will be starting the game. Those are the three you for sure will see. And and we still talked about, oh, getting out there. So Luke Weaver starts. We'll see John Gant and Austin Gomber in some order and potentially Sion Juan O. Let's give away now six ticket vouchers for any single session of the 2017 Missouri Valley Conference Men's Basketball Tournament March 2nd through 5th. For more info, go to archmadness.com. We'll take caller 3 at 314-969-1120. Don't forget as well about the Cardinals Kids Club. It's presented by Rawlings and is the exclusive fan club for Cardinals fans age 13 and under, some great, great membership benefits, including two tickets to a 2017 Cardinals home game, an invite to a members-only autograph party at Bush Stadium, and much more. You can get more information by visiting cardinals.com slash kidsclub. All right, a lot more to get to in hour number two, including Mike Shannon, who will kick us off. And, man, I'm just interested to get Mike's take and get some other takes on this schedule that we've seen. Cardinals getting games going. The World Baseball Classic getting started in about five weeks. We'll have baseball at Bush Stadium, the Cardinals, and the Chicago Cubs. One hour in the books, one hour to go. Chris Raby along with Mike Claiborne. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. And we're back after these messages to talk more baseball on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. A swing and a long drive. Left center field. Way back to the track, to the ball. Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show is presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Bringing a ground ball off the pitcher's glove to the second baseman. Got him! A complete game, 5 nothing shutout for Adam Wainwright. Now, Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby with the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Great to have Mike Shannon join us to open up Hour 2 of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. We are in Jupiter on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network, and Mike, it just uh, goes by faster and faster. Saturday, we'll be playing games here at Roger Dean. And, of course, we'll be broadcasting those games, and we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a very interesting spring training. I think that we say that every year, don't we, Mike? (laughs) We do for different reasons. But I think this year, Mike, there seems to be a little bit of a different tone with regard to the approach and that's something I thought was missing last year. You've seen enough of these spring trainings. What's the one thing you try and watch early to see how things are going? Well, to see who comes in and who's reporting on time and, you know, who's uh, really changed their life, okay, or wants to change their life, uh, baseball life anyway. But I think the one thing about this camp that we're going to see from the get-go is uh, 
some sort of uh, conformed uh, uh, unity, okay? In other words, we're going to have the same outfielder, we're going to have the same infielders, the same catcher, almost on an everyday basis, and I think that's going to improve this baseball team defensively because uh, they just know what they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do it. That's uh, without any injuries. But if, if they, uh, you know, you got your three outfielders, you got your four infielders, you got your catcher, the pitching staff will be set by the time we uh, break camp and open up uh, on a Sunday night against the Chicago Cubs. That's going to be wild. Yeah, the last couple of years, because of injury, you've been forced to deal with a lot of moving parts, which is tough for the defense, tough for the pitchers when their guys defensively move it around behind you. And we had two guys that went on the team uh, in 15, uh, almost lead the team in home runs. In fact, one of them, Jericho, did lead the team in home runs because of the injuries, and he got a chance to play. And it's going to be interesting who takes the third base job between those two guys. You know, when you look at this roster, I think there's only one spot available, maybe two. Uh, you're going to have a, a spot in the bullpen that might be open. And I think maybe you might have some some sketchy situations as far as are you going to carry another infielder or not. But, Mike, I think that's got to make Mike Matheny's job a little bit better having, as you said earlier, consistency from day one. Yeah, that I think is really important because uh, we didn't see that consistency last season. And the reason that was because of a number of reasons and mostly because of injuries. But this year... Avoiding the injuries, you're going to see a very consistent baseball team, and I think that's going to add uh, to their abilities, and and I think it'll add to their success. I'll ask both you guys this. um, As we get ready for the World Baseball Classic, and as you look back the last couple of years at some of the young guys who have had to come up and play a big role in this club, the chance to get those guys some more reps in the spring and maybe have a better idea of what you have available to you over the course of the season, what benefit can that have to the club? Well, it has been a fit because uh, guys get a chance to play that wouldn't normally get a chance to play. And even though they may not be on the ball club, if something happens uh, during the season, that is fresh in their mind and they can go right to that guy. And it's a great chance for these youngsters to show where they are, how much they've advanced, and how much they correlate themselves to the big league uh, scene. Hey, Mike, uh, I'm thinking about getting in front of the manager where he can see, see you. What was it like for you? And I wish Red was here when you had so many guys out there and you may have had one or two spots on a ball club, let alone going to the minor leagues. What was that like then when you had so many guys in one spot and you may not even get in it back? You may not only get one, one chance to get in the cage over the course of a day. Hey, and uh, I forget what it was, 1963, I think it was. I came into camp and uh, I had hit uh, better than 300 in, in AAA. And I was a very good defensive outfielder. My name wasn't even on the board. They traded for George Altman as the right fielder. So I had to go into the manager and said, hey, hey, Johnny, I said, I'm Mike Shannon. I said, I had 300 in, in, in AAA last year. And he said, you know what? You're right. You get a chance. But, I mean, it was already said he was going to be the right fielder, and, and deservedly so because he had been in the big leagues a number of years. But, man, I wanted a chance to <laughs> I wish the World Baseball Classic was around then. <laughs> Are, are there, aside from guys getting more of an opportunity, are there positives to games starting right away and a whole club and a coaching staff as well being thrown right into the fire? You're darn right. There's nothing like it. You just start, let's go, boys. Bing, bo, bango, and let's get it done. Yeah, I mean, the way these guys train the offseason, it's time to play. I mean, I, you'll hear some people say, well, we ought to cut spring training back. 
that's never going to happen because it means too much to these communities. And there are certain players that feel like it's tradition. But the guys are so much closer to being ready now than what they used to be. I say, yeah, go ahead and start playing. This is Spring training to me is more for the pitchers than it is anybody else. Let them stretch themselves out because these hitters, it doesn't take much for them to get it going. No, they'll catch up in a hurry, but you're right. The pitchers have to have this amount of spring training because, lo and behold, you'll see that there'll be some guys behind already uh, when, when it's time to break camp. But then you're going to also notice that, oh, I only threw uh, 75 pitches in a game. And so they say, okay, well, that's all right. You know, you throw 75 your first two starts or 80. Hey, just get me into the seventh inning. Get me past the seventh inning, and I'll show you a winner. We know uh, as games start, it's nice, too, for the community, but also for the club to have a couple more teams just about five minutes down 95 with the Astros and the Nationals. Nice to see maybe some other competition than the Marlins is regularly and not have to drive as far to do it. Well, I'll tell you what, there's one team here, the Nationals, that are very, very good, and we're going to see them eight times, all right? So you better be ready to go because if you're not, those boys will show you that you should be. Final question for me. I'm thinking about spring training. You've been to how, how many spring trainings is this for you? I don't know, but this is, I think, my 60th year as a Cardinal. 60 years as a Cardinal. And I go back to the days of training over in St. Pete where you played at Allain Field, but the complex was a little bit of a drive down the road. That's got to change the game immensely where you can train all under one roof. Everybody can get a look at you. And if you need a guy to come in and fill in for a game, there he is. Well, and to have the the entire minor leagues right here, and uh, if somebody goes down, boom, look what's happened already. We had a couple of guys, uh, Reyes uh, goes down, he's out for the year, boom. Uh, somebody else goes, and this guy's going, and the next thing you know, after just uh, a week of spring training, we got four new guys in camp. And, and how about two off the field, the impact of the minor leaguers and the younger guys getting to spend time around the veterans in that clubhouse? Well, it's uh, immense because uh, – you know, a lot of these guys, they don't know whether they can play in the big leagues. And then they come up here and they get a chance to play and say, hey, I'm just as good as that other guy, and I can play here. Well, Saturday we will get started on the Cardinals Radio Network. Game one, the Cardinals and the Miami Marlins. Mike Shannon, thank you for kicking off the second hour of the program with us. It's going to be fun. Hang with us. Visit the official online shop of the Cardinals at cardinals.com slash shop for the largest selection of authentic caps, T-shirts, jerseys, hoodies, collectibles, and more. Get your gear straight from the source at cardinals.com slash shop. Mike Claiborne with Jordan Schaefer, Cardinals dual threat. That's next on Cardinals Countdown to opening day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals radio network. It's our first visit with Jordan Schaefer, who's trying to make this ball club. And your situation is so much more unique with respect to you're the triple threat. You pitch, you hit, and you run. How did you come about being able to do all that to the point where it's going to get you to the big leagues? Um, really, I was just a position player for for five or six years in the big leagues, and uh, running and stealing bases was one of the things I was really good at. Um, so that's kind of I've always had that in my back pocket. And last year, I started to to pitch and mess around with it a little bit, and uh, I've had some success with it. And uh, just trying to put it all together. I'm watching that nasty breaking ball you were throwing out there. How'd you pick that up so late? You know, I, I pitched in high school. Um, I, I thought I was going to actually be drafted as a pitcher. Um, and so it's, it's something I've, I've had, but I haven't pitched in 10, 11 years since high school. It's been a while. But, uh, I mean, it's, I got back on it last year, and um, things kind of came back 
a little faster than I was expecting, actually, and uh, had a little bit of success, and uh, just trying to build off of that. Now, for you, obviously, time management is important because not only do you work on pitching, you also have to work on the other elements that are going to keep you in the big leagues. Yeah, for sure. It, uh, I'm sure they'll be able to to manage that really for me. Um, I spent a lot of time this offseason preparing, have long days to, to really to do both, uh, position player-wise, defensively, running, and obviously pitching as well. So uh, I think early on here, uh, my main importance is just get these pens in, uh, get my feet under me off the mound, and then um, obviously the, the position player stuff I, I've done pretty recently here. So hopefully that can just fall right back into place. I mentioned you being a triple threat. You know, if this really starts to work and really become successful, not just for you, do you envision this happening to a lot of other players? Because as you mentioned, you pitched in high school, and that's where the best athletes normally resided. But all of a sudden they get to the next level and they say, well, you just worry about pitching, don't worry about the other things you can do. Yeah, especially with 25-man roster. Uh, I think if it if we can do this and it's successful, I think it'll definitely be a trend and, and something that other teams try to copycat. Um, I mean, it's, it's almost like having 26 guys on your roster in, in a sense that you have a guy that can, can come in um, from the pen and face a guy and go to the outfield and come back in and face another hitter or pinch run or whatever it might be. I mean, the, the possibilities are really endless in, in that sense. So um, if we can do this and we're successful, then I, I think it'll definitely be something that other teams try to copy a little bit. Okay. As we talk about pitching, everybody only worries about velocity. So I'll ask you, how hard do you throw? But what's your best pitch or the pitch you're comfortable with right now? Um, beginning of the year last year, I was 88, 90, just trying to get my feet under me. And by the end of the year, I was 90 up to 93, 94. Um, but you're left-handed, so we're not yeah. looking for you to throw yeah, it to the wall. No, the, I, I mean, obviously, as a as a position player, um, the things that I think bothers hitters the most are location and, and movement and then velocity. Um, if you're going to throw 100 and it's going to be middle right down the plate, it doesn't matter if it's 100. Big league guys are going to hit that. So I think the location is first and then the movement. So. Um, really, in these pens, just trying to work on keeping the ball down. And then uh, I added a couple pitches this offseason. I uh, started throwing a two-seamer, which I, I think will really help me against lefties. Uh, and then added a slider and try to uh, work on my changeup that I didn't really throw a whole lot last year. Um, I had a lot of strikeouts on curveballs last year. Um, I think my slider will be more of a strikeout pitch uh, for me. So uh, just trying to work all that in and stay sharp and, and trying to get a little better each day. Well, it's going to be fun to watch you uh, with the World Baseball uh, Classic taking place. There's going to be plenty of innings and plenty of at-bats. Good luck to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you to Jordan Schaefer. We will keep our eyes on him throughout spring training, beginning with games this weekend. Speaking of games, today only, you can guarantee your seats to the best games of the season before tickets go on sale this Friday. The multi-game on sale allows fans to purchase tickets to three or more games in 2017, but lasts today only. Get yours now at cardinals.com. Jordan Schaefer, a former Brave, Adam Wainwright, former Brave draft pick as well, who was traded to the St. Louis Cardinals, now one of the pillars of the organization. We kick off the spring by sitting down with Adam next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren, the Cardinals ace, is with us after this on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome back to Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren, Chris Raby, and Mike Claiborne on the Cardinals Radio Network, joined 
by Adam Wainwright. How are you, sir? A week under uh, your belt. What's it been like so far? I'm having fun. I'm having a great time with these guys down here in this beautiful Florida weather. It's uh, 80 degrees every day, it seems like. Man, just hard to beat, man. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I wonder if you do the same thing I do. When you, you come into this clubhouse a number of years and you start to look around, and where it used to be such and such as lockers, somebody else's, and then you start looking around, you say, wait a minute, that's just Yachty here. I mean, what, what's that like for you at this point in your career? Yeah, and even more than that, I look at jersey numbers. Yeah. You know, so I see 35, I think Jake Westbrook, and when I see uh, um, 30, I think Mark Mulder, and, you know, it's John Broxton now, and I see a little bit different looking guy yeah, as far as how they feel 54. Like I think Jaime Garcia, and he's not even here anymore. So uh, I imagine that you won't probably just give seven away just just right away. But who knows, man? Who knows? Uh, how does a franchise, an organization, what's important about a transition, not just on the field, but that off the field transition, Adam, to successfully? blend new guys in whether they're young guys who you're familiar with from spring training or new guys that come in from the outside how do you make sure that transition is successful Uh, i think my favorite thing to do is just to to lead by example you know just to make sure that my work stays the same all the time they know what time i'm going to be here what time i'm going to stay till you know guys can see young fellows like i was back in the day they kind of look like, is it okay to get in the shower now? Is it is it okay to leave just yet? You know, so it's, I think occasionally it's good for us to kind of sort of lead by example in that regard. But out on the field, in the clubhouse nature, I think, um, you know, we have guys that want to pass the torch or want to carry on the tradition we've had here. And it's, it's a different feeling there this year. I'm really excited about um, just a lot of different things we got going on. You know, we learned we learned a lot about each other as teammates and family last year as the season goes on and went on, and um, I think we learned a lot from it, old guys and young guys alike. <clears throat> Take me back to your first spring training in St. Louis to where you're at now. How much did you talk to the veteran guys and ask questions, and how many young guys come up to you now and talk? Um, some guys do a really great job about asking and then some guys do a really great job of just listening you know and kind of in the background sort of edging up when when someone else asks a question they want to hear the answer to it but there is certainly a learning culture going on in there that's what I'm really proud of right now the young guys are all doing a very good job and I feel like you know as as the older players we want to give back what we've learned too so it's good and, and to be eager to do that you've told us before about Greg Maddox who'd sit at the Leg press machine with a crossword puzzle. What a resource. Leg extension machine. What a resource that was. And it's hard because you might look back and say, man, uh, the opportunities I had for young guys, sure, it takes a little guts, takes a little courage, but you want them to feel comfortable taking advantage of those opportunities? Yeah, and that's one of my – that was one of the the big messages I shared last year with the young kids was – young guys, I should say – was, you know, my first – spring training Greg Maddox said just that I'll be on the leg extension machine every day at six o'clock not doing leg presses or leg extensions I'll just be doing my crossword right here and you'll know where I am if you want to come talk pitching I'll be right here and I didn't take him up on that maybe once or twice and I just have so much regret about that it's ridiculous but I, I, I try to be very open you know I try to offer when even when they're not asking things I try to offer some some advice here and there when if I when and if I think it's necessary but most of the time, you know, I think as, as, as leaders, it's very important that we lead well. And, uh, you know, not always with words, but a lot of times with our actions. 
I wouldn't want to see the young guy ask Maddox if he could work in for a set while he was sitting there with his crossword puzzle. I don't think he'd be getting up. No, 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 and, and no one would ask him to move. You know, when, when, when he was there, when I was there, he was, gosh, his first year was, what, 86 or 87? So he had uh, about 15 or 16 years in the show when I was in big league camp in 2002 or three, whenever that was. So he wasn't budging, and I certainly wasn't asking him to budge, you know. another exercise you could do. You wouldn't have to worry about that. Hey, hey what about pitching practice now? Um, a lot of talk around the cage, and... I always watch you talk to the hitters and what they see and what they see from you. How helpful is that right now? Because you're a guy that keeps it very close to the vest. Uh, you don't like to be uh, a guy who tips pitches at all or in, in any way, shape, or form. How important is that for you now, even at this stage in your career when you've been around so many other hitters and certainly pitchers? Yeah, no, I think it's very, very important. Um, when we're out there in pitching practice, we're facing live hitters. It's it's one of the only times of the year that you get a hitter's feedback verbally. You know, what were you thinking exactly on that pitch when it came out of my hand? What were you thinking? What did you think of the spin of that? Did it look like the fastball? Did it not look like the fastball? Did it did it come out in the same slot? Was the timing different or what? I, I think those are all important questions for me at least where it's a great chance to learn and it's a great chance to figure out, all right, well, I've obviously got to clean that up a bit I've got to fix that he, he said it was different right out of the hand I need to know and, and other things you know when I throw pitches and and a hitter will spit on it or take it I'll say is that a ball out of the hand and what I mean by that is when 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 I throw that pitch do you read ball right away so that you'd never swing at it and that's very important to me because then I know what slot I need to start that pitch in and which slot I need to change it to to make it more more apt to be able to be swung at it does me no good to sit out there and throw pitches. I call them no contest pitches that aren't going to have any effect on the, the rest of the at-bat or, or the pitches before that. How about conversations uh, like you had with Dexter yesterday, a guy that you've had battles with throughout the years who's now a teammate? Are those conversations different, and, and what kind of feedback are you each offering each other? Because I'm sure you're giving him stuff as well. Oh, yeah. It's good because, because he can say, well, my approach on you was always this. And so the hardest part for me in that approach was when you did this. And so for me, I go, all right, well, my approach against you was always this. And the hardest thing for me when you were hitting was when you did that. You know, so it, it works really well together when you got hitters and pitchers willing to sit down and, 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 and grow and get better together. I mean, it, the worst thing you can do is be a, a teammate that goes, oh, yeah, 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 you, you're tipping and not tell you what you're doing, you know, or something like, like that. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw you swinging left-handed today a little bit messing around. He started switch hitting when he got to pro ball. Maybe I'm not trying to give you pointers for how you can add to the silver slugger resume, but switch hitting pitcher, there you no, go. I was doing that simply to show everyone how bad my left-handed swing was. <laughs> I have the worst left-handed swing in baseball. And I've so much, uh, su- such a lack of coordination from the left hand anything, except for I can throw a football left-handed it's pretty decent. I can't throw a baseball worth a darn left hand, and I can't hit a baseball at all left hand. It's ridiculous. It's embarrassing, actually. <laughs> you know, I want to go back to when you were talking about with Fowler and how you talked to him. You only talk to guys who on long-term contracts, right? You don't talk to that guy who you may see in another uniform a year or two from now. Yeah. You have your guys in the back of your mind that you're going, this dude, I might face this guy exactly. sometime. You know, the guy that's like a fifth or sixth-year player. That 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 is out for that big money, maybe, or <clears throat> or just you know you can just tell he's going to go somewhere else. Yeah, no, those those conversations aren't had with them. We stood at your 
locker just a couple of hours after you guys wrapped up the season last year and you talked about, you know, if we could have been a game better, if I could have been a start better, who knows? Because you guys faced a lot of adversity. You faced adversity last year and you were still there under the last couple of hours of the season. You use that as motivation going into the off season. Is is there any extra motivation at this point needed? How do you learn from some of the struggles last year, Adam? Oh, yeah, it's big motivation for me. And, and it's not because everyone else thinks I'm old and tired and need to go quit, which a lot of people do. <clears throat> it's for me. It's it's motivation, and it's it's I got a lot to prove to myself. You know, every day we come out here and we have these little competitions, I'm trying to win every single one of them. I don't want to get second in any of them. <clears throat> and nothing is different about my pitching. I want to be the very best pitcher in the league. And that junk that I was throwing last year was terrible. And I'm not going to do that again. So it upset you that Marco got you in the in the bunt off the other day. You went to extra round. You know what upset me about that was that I thought that I had already won. I forgot that he had tied me. And so uh, I sort of counted my chickens, you know, before they hatched. And so when, when, he, uh, when he beat me in the playoff, it was like that's why you you just you don't look at inning number nine in the third inning, you know, and you gotta you, you gotta take it one step at a time, and that that was a great lesson for me. I won today though, just so you know. How do you feel physically? Um, no rehab. You you come into camp, and, and your body's had some wear and tear on it. But at this stage of your career, you're able to distinguish the pain and the age and the soreness. How do you feel though coming in? Because you didn't have to deal with anything in the off season yeah. this year. Yeah, it felt great not to have to deal with anything. But I told uh, one of our distinguished reporters this the other day, I think I'm going to be pretty pretty well rested this year because I took all of last year off, I'm pretty sure. Um, I, I, I look forward to... It's like you're going to make T-shirts or something, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got a, I, I, I like taking little things here and there as motivation. i got some reporters' articles saved, you know, that I'm going <clears> to... <throat> I'm going to rub it in their face later on the season. Um, but, but I, but I also mostly, mostly I want, I want to prove to myself that I'm, I'm still, still good at this game. Before we let you go, I got to ask you about, um, your footwear. Cause I noticed while you were throwing, I think your first bullpen, you had some, are we allowed to talk about this? Is this yeah. classified? You had, you had, you had some Mizuno shoes with straps on them, Velcro straps that I have never seen you wear in a game before. You didn't wear them again, I don't think, until yesterday when you threw your live. Yeah. Is this a new wrinkle, or are you going to bring the Velcro uh, onto the mound? Um, I wore them the second half of 2013. I wore them all the way, all the way through the World Series and everything. Uh, they're the most comfortable cleats I've ever worn, and it's not even close. What happened, I was pitching in Cincinnati. <clears throat> My base is loaded, like seventh inning. I was up by one run, and Ryan Hannigan was up. He hit a doinker ground ball with two outs to first base. And Alan Craig got the ball, and he kind of threw the ball behind me a little bit. So as I ran to catch the ball behind me, I'd stuck my leg out to try to find the base, too. And Hannigan's foot uh, got caught on my shoelace, and it spun me around, and I threw the ball in the dugout or whatever it happened. And three runs scored, I lost the game. I called Mizuno. I said, never send me a shoe with shoelaces on it again. I'm, it cost me a win and three runs. I'm done with shoelaces. And I was dead serious. And so they made me some, some, they made me some Velcro shoes, and I wore them. Uh, all off season to throw in. They said, yeah, this is going to be your shoe. And then they said, Adam, uh, you can't wear this shoe because, you know, we're never going to try to sell it. So this doesn't help us in our marketing. So you can't wear it anymore. Well, I stored up a few from a couple years ago. And then I just like them so much. 
I called uh, I called Mizuno and I said, "Hey, if you're if you're not going to send me any, I'm going to go get them from Japan. I'll call Japan because I know those guys over there got the Velcros." And uh, they said, "No, nah, no, nah, we can't send you." So I called Japan, and they got word that I called Japan, and they said, "Okay, wait, no, we're, we'll make you a couple pairs." And so they made me a couple pairs, and they really don't want me to wear them, but you know what? <clears throat> I'm trying to win 30 games this year, and I need I need I need to be I don't need to be wearing about worrying about my shoes out there on pitching. So, so you're going to wear the Velcro. Your new number 54, Zach Phillips, has them also. Yeah, but he's got he's awesome. got triple. He's got triple Velcro strappies, and <clears throat> I think it's the future of cleats, man. I tell you, it, it, it your foot is so much more uh, supported and encapsulated by you these the golf shoes now. You just turn yeah. the little turn the little knob on the golf shoes. Come on, this is something that I mean, I'm trying to be a trendsetter here. Lose the laces. My final question for you, when does the club championship tournament begin for the pitchers? On the bunning? No, for golf. Oh, tomorrow. Who are the favorites? I'm the favorite. Anybody else you're concerned about? No. Anybody else that has impressed you? John Broxson always talks the biggest game. He's well, the biggest he's a big guy, the biggest, so what do you expect? He's the biggest man, but just the the – the results have not been there when we played. I'm, you know, I've got the championship belt right now, and I'm just gonna, probably going to try to keep on holding on to it. Appreciate the time, man. Thank you. All right, thank you. That's Adam Wainwright. We'll take a break and have more as we continue from Jupiter on this week's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome back to Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day. Chris Raby with you on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network as we get closer and closer to baseball. Again, great Fruit League games start here on Saturday. And in just about five weeks, we will be at Bush Stadium to open the season against the Cubs. Pleasure to welcome Dan Farrell, Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing to the program. Dan, how are you? Great, Chris. How are you doing? Oh, we're doing great. We're so excited to start baseball and very excited that 2017 single-game tickets are on sale Friday at 10 a.m. Also, uh, I know fans can purchase tickets to three or more games. That started today. Uh, You guys, always a milestone and and always a big day when the single-game tickets go on sale, isn't it? It is. That's a that's one of the real markers that we uh, monitor, and and we have great uh, uh, data from past years that we can compare that that uh, first on sale day and the, the the level of demand, and based on all the indicators, uh, in fact, really one of the stronger indicators right now is going on the ability for fans to buy three or more games, uh, which is really something that that most fans, uh, you know, when you can pick from any game across the the entire season, uh, the the uh, presale of the of the multi-game pack, the three or more, uh, this is it's gone very very well. Sales are, are real strong uh, over the last uh, few hours, and again, fans have a chance to do that till midnight tonight. And if that uh, deadline passes, then they'll wait for Monday or Friday at 10 a.m. Sales for multi-game and single-game tickets, both available at cardinals.com. Again, the multi-game, you can guarantee your seats to the best games of the season. 
before tickets go on sale this Friday. Uh, you can do that, but it only lasts until midnight. Get those at cardinals.com. Also on Friday, you can call 345-9000 or head just over to Bush Stadium. And, and what a schedule it is. Of course, the Cubs, always popular. We're going to open the season with them. Pirates, Dodgers, Giants, teams the Cards have had some great postseason battles with. We're going to see some of the American League East, the Toronto Blue Jays. How great will it be, Dan, to see the Boston Red Sox in town in May? Yeah, we're uh, really here earmarking that uh, two-game series with Boston as a, uh, that's going to be our tribute to the 1967 uh, 50th anniversary of the World Series championship and uh, we're bringing in quite a few of the guys from the 67 team uh, we also are um, on uh, uh, that Wednesday May 17th uh, that's the, the replica ring of the 67 team, the World Series championship and uh, that's actually Actually, a mystery ring. So you'll get one of uh, uh, several players uh, will have their they'll have their name on the ring uh, as the replica '67 championship ring, and it, it's just a nice tie-in with the Red Sox being in town. And uh, again, we'll have probably I I want to say at least uh, 15 to 20 of the of the players who played on that team will be introduced in a pregame ceremony. Should be a nice uh, two-game series for sure. Those dates and, and those celebrations have become really, really special. Whether it was the 06 team last year that you guys honored and Adam Wainwright went out and threw a complete game shutout, the 62 team a couple of years ago, it was great to see the guys from the 67 team uh, at the writer's dinner this year. And since the Red Sox are in town, I know there's no green monster like there was uh, in Game 7 of the World Series when Bob Gibson hit a home run up over it. But uh, how great will it be to have those guys back with Boston in town, the team that they beat that year in the World Series? It's for sure uh, a great uh, blessing to uh, have a, a marketing uh, strategy that almost year after year we have one uh, anniversary or another to celebrate. And the fact that in 87 we had the 30th, now this is the 30th anniversary of the 87 National League Championship, and we actually will be bringing that team in, uh, or some of the players, and we've got a replica ring for the 87 championship on Saturday, August 12th. So it's it really is a blessing that we've got such a rich history and can always find a you know, signature event that's happened in the past uh, almost year in and year out. Individual tickets this year on sale Friday. That's February the 24th, Friday, beginning at 10 a.m., as Dan just alluded to, over 40 promotional dates. You mentioned the ring, Dan. You guys have three rings, eight bobbleheads, seven jerseys, plenty of new items as well. And these aren't just, you know, Monday, Tuesday dates. These are prime dates, prime games, and another great opportunity for fans to get uh, to the sale on Friday, pick out the games, and pick out some of the promotional items that they want to make sure they get. And, in fact, that's why these this uh, multi-game packages that are on sale right now are very popular because we find that people are really concentrating on those uh, really strong giveaway dates that we have. And, and that's really been our philosophy the last few years. We've we've invested heavily in the in the in the cost of the promotion items. We're we're spending quite a bit of of, of money on the on the items themselves. We added to the 
quantity. If you remember last year, we upped our, our normal gate giveaway uh, from 25, first 25,000 fans to the first 30,000 fans, and that had a positive effect because we didn't run out quite as quickly. Almost, uh, uh, you know, most of the fans that intended to get there for the gate, uh, for the gate giveaway, w were able to receive it. And it's just been a, a real strong way for us to add value to those high demand dates and and you know we see the benefit we see the benefit in the in the in the in the ticket prices and we see the benefit at the in the volume and the number of fans that are coming in and it gives fans from the out of town uh the outer market on uh, a real uh chance to come in for a weekend pick a weekend out that has a, a giveaway on friday saturday and sunday and you're generally going to find a, a real nice Nice mix of promo items over the course of every every single weekend. And Dan, I'll leave you with this: it's affordable. Uh, the dynamic pricing system really, really prices the tickets at a family-friendly rate, and oftentimes five or ten bucks you can get into the ballpark. Tell us about the dynamic pricing and how fans can take advantage. Yeah, we actually uh, did, ran the uh, statistics, and, and there's 20% of the games that we have tickets starting at five dollars. And on just about 50% of the games, the starting price is, is $10. So, you know, you really, if you're, if you're value conscious, you really want to come in. And, and again, the majority of those dates are, are Monday through Thursday. But if you're a, a savvy shopper, you can look for, for some, some real good pricing on some of those dates. Well, you've still got some time until midnight tonight for the multi-game ticket sale. Otherwise... Friday, 10 a.m., single-game tickets on sale. Go to cardinals.com. You can also visit the box office or call 345-9000. Dan Farrell, can't wait to see you guys uh, down here in Florida in the sunshine as we get closer and closer to opening up the 2017 season on Sunday, April 2nd, against the Cubs at Bush Stadium. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Chris. I'm sure everybody's ready to get some um, uh, real game action going down there. So uh, uh, good luck this upcoming weekend, and, and uh, we will see you in a, in a few weeks. More coming up after the break on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amarin on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Let's give away some more basketball tickets before we get out of here tonight. It's the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament, and we've got six ticket vouchers for any single session of the 2017 tournament, March 2nd through the 5th. For more information on the Missouri Valley Conference games, visit archmadness.com, caller 3 at 314-969-1120. That's going to do it for us on this week's edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day. Chris Raby uh, with you on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Thank you to all of our guests, Mike Shannon, Adam Wainwright, Jose Akendo, Jordan Schaefer, and Eduardo Perez. Thank you to Stan McNeil and Dan Farrell of the Cardinals as well. Ben Boyd's our great executive producer down here in Florida with us. Alex Ferrario helping us out back in our Cardinals Network studios. And we're on the air at 12.05 for Cardinals baseball on Saturday. Now for all of our guests and for my co-host, Mike Claiborne, I'm Chris Raby. Saying have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you Saturday and this weekend for baseball right here on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.